0: Hello, this is Jason Gobertz, editor and publisher of Sports Travel, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast. This episode will feature Nick Carparelli, the executive director of Bowl Season, the new rebrand and name of the former Football Bowl Association. We're going to be talking about the history of college football bowl games, what to expect from this season's mix of games, and what the future may hold for these postseason events that communities have relied on for years as a source of off-season tourism. But before we begin, this podcast is being sponsored by the Esports Travel Virtual Summit, the world's largest gathering of esports event organizers and the destinations and suppliers looking to host their events. This year's summit will be held virtually from Esports Stadium Arlington in Arlington, Texas, December 2nd and 3rd, 2020, and will feature one-on-one appointments as well as education designed for esports organizations, destinations, and suppliers. We'll also feature video updates, from more than two dozen esports organizations on the status of their events. If you're just dipping your toes into esports or you're an industry veteran, you want to be with us for the only esports business conference focused on the travel industry. For more information and to register, please visit esportstravelsummit.com. And now, on to the conversation. Nick Carparelli was named Executive Director of the Football Bowl Association in December 2019, which in retrospect, of course, is a fascinating time to begin a job overseeing the college football bowl structure. Uh, one of his first goals was to launch an effort to rebrand the trade association, whose members include the more than 40 bowl games that make up the postseason at college football's highest level. That effort recently paid off with the announcement that the association would be renamed and rebranded as Bowl Season, along with a new logo that reflects the 10 conferences whose schools play in the games. But what will bowl season look like this year? Uh, For starters, at least six games have said that they are not planning the stage an event this year, including the Fenway Bowl at Fenway Park, which was going to be one of the newest games on the slate. But others, including a new game in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, are going to continue, and the hope is that the vast majority of the games will allow at least some spectators in the stands. Uh, The economics of bowl games can be tricky sometimes. And this year in any scenario is going to be a challenge, even for the established games like the Rose Bowl, which has already announced uh, the annual Rose Parade will not be staged as part of the festivities this year. Uh, Luckily for bowl season, they have a seasoned sports industry veteran at the helm. Before joining the association, Carparelli's career in sports had taken him to various executive level positions, including most recently as senior director for college sports for Under Armour. Uh, Before that, he also held positions at the Big East Conference with the New England Patriots and with the University of Notre Dame. Uh, In this conversation, we talk with Nick about the origins of bowl games, their importance to their communities, and what to expect in this most unusual postseason. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Nick Carparelli, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me with you, Jason.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you. Uh, I love talking college football. I love talking bowl games. We're going to talk about all of those things, including the recent rebrand of the Football Bowl Association to bowl season, which is very exciting. But uh, Nick, I wanted to start the conversation um, actually with a little bit about your background, which is very impressive. You you joined the association last year, but before that, you worked, uh, among other things, as a senior director for college sports for Under Armour, Uh, You were Senior Associate Commissioner for the Big East Conference, uh, Director of Operations for the New England Patriots, Football Administrator at Notre Dame. But there's one line in your bio, Nick, that I actually wanted to start with, and that was your role as a graduate assistant at Syracuse where you were when the Orange defeated the Colorado <laughs> Buffaloes in the 1993 Fiesta Bowl. So I wanted to actually talk about the 1993 Fiesta Bowl for a minute because that was a game I attended as a member of the marching band at the University of Colorado. Wow. Um, and it was a memorable game, you know, for for starters the uh, the field at Sun Devil Stadium was uh basically sand. It was kind of unfortunate. I think there had been an NFL game or something beforehand that had like stripped. Yeah, the turf. they were trying they were attempting uh, they a new were-
1: technology. It was supposed to drain better and you know, I don't know what else <laughs> it was supposed to accomplish, but uh, it, it did not accomplish firm footing for the for the game, that's for sure.
0: No, not for the uh, players, nor uh, for the band, uh, for, for <laughs> what that's worth. Uh, but, you know, there were two really good teams. Uh, you know, Syracuse won that game by a couple points. And as I recall, I think CU missed uh, some extra points and uh, maybe a field goal. that was kind of a frustrating game uh, as a Colorado fan. But it was a, it was a great game. And uh, while uh, this podcast won't uh, focus entirely on the 1993 festival, Bowl, I, I thought I'd start there. You, was that kind of your introduction to the, to the bowl game experience yourself, Nick?
1: Well, you know, it, it actually was. You know, we we didn't uh, we didn't plan on kicking this off this way, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that was the first bowl game I ever attended in my life, and uh, since then, I've I estimate I've attended uh, uh, around a hundred. Uh, so that was uh, very impressionable to me when people ask me what my favorite bowl game is. <laughs> and in my current position, I really can't play favorites. It's like uh, choosing a favorite favorite child. Sure, but uh, that's an easy one to bring up because it, it makes sense and nobody gets offended. And yeah, that was a great game. And uh, you know, you're, you know, being a, uh, I'm a Syracuse alum. You're a Colorado alum. Uh, you probably uh, have the same types of conversations I do. Uh, today's uh, youth probably find it hard to believe that Syracuse and Colorado once played football at that level. <laughs> I know, that, at that, that they level, would be yeah. in this in the Fiesta Bowl, <laughs> but we can both assure uh, our friends that that was the case.
0: No, it's true. I'm here to say that there was a time uh, when both programs were. <laughs> were very strong and could meet in a great game like the uh, like the Fiesta Bowl. But you know, one reason I'm bringing it up, uh, Nick, kind of at the start, is that while obviously you know bowl games are designed to give student athletes this amaze- amazing uh, collegiate athletic experience, um, when we talk about bowl games, there are a, a lot of things uh, at work. There are the bands, you know, there are the families, there's uh, alumni, uh, all the pomp and circumstance that goes along with it. You know, a lot of these games, as you know, have parades and and community events. And they're, you know, they're tremendous economic drivers for the for the host cities and venues There's a lot more than than just what happens uh, during the competition on the field.
1: For sure. I mean, mm-hmm. if you go back, you know, to the in the history of bowl games, you know, the first bowl game was the Rose Bowl back in 1902. Um, it was really the only bowl game for a while until 1935. The Sun Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Orange Bowl came on board Gator Bowl a few years later. Um, there were 20 bowl games in 1990 and there's. Uh, forty two bowl games now in in, in a normal year um, and and when the the idea of uh, of a bowl game started back then, it was to stimulate tourism in a community during a time of year when people typically didn't travel around the holidays. And while the model has has evolved a little bit over time, that is that remains one of the primary goals uh, of bowl games and of the bowl season because as you said, the these games, you know, the casual fan may turn them on and they're aware of them for, for three hours uh, in, a, in, a, in a given day in December. But really, these are community-based organizations that function all year long. Uh, and 365 days a year, they're, they're in their community making an impact. Um, they have um, They do so many great things for, sure, the institutions, the student-athletes, the fans of the teams who participate. But also the communities they're involved in. And they're tremendous organizations. And uh, one of the things I know we're going to get into the, you know, the, the new bowl season brand, but one of our goals is to, to help tell those stories all year long.
0: Yeah, well, let's, let's talk about that. So uh, I mentioned that uh, you do have a rebrand to bowl season, the football bowl association has been around for, for a long time. So why don't we start there, Nick, with uh, what the association is kind of, uh, you know, who your members are, and what exactly you do. And then we can uh, certainly talk about your rebrand as well. But what, what is the association for those who are not familiar with uh, what your organization actually does?
1: Yeah, so the Football Bowl Association for years has has functioned primarily as an internal organization, really a, a trade association, uh, where our members are, are all the bowl games, uh, much like any other trade association. So forty two members. We we have an annual meeting every year in April where uh, the entire bowl world comes together. So it's the executive directors of those forty two games and their staffs. Uh, there's almost four hundred people at this this annual meeting. We have we have vendors, we have sponsors. We have breakout sessions and, and professional development for each category of operation at the bowl game from PR people to marketing people to operations people. And so, so we run that meeting. Uh, we're also the voice and, and the, the, the advocating body for the bowl system and each of the individual bowl games. So it's our job to promote the system all year long. And, and we're also the connective organization to the rest of the college football world. So, uh, as you know, 42 bowl games, their uh, uh, teams from 10 conferences participate in these bowl games. Uh, the NCAA is involved from a, from a governance perspective, rules perspective, not necessarily operational, mm-hmm. but they are involved. The college football playoff is a subset of these bowl games. Uh, our television partners are involved, so it's a complex system. So the FBA for years has helped keep that together. What we've done, though, th- our, the new organization, where we are now the bowl season. And uh, we will continue to do all of those things. But now we are, uh, in addition to that, we are more of a public-facing sports brand. When you think of of the sports calendar in this country, you know, we we come to depend on certain events at different times of year. So when you think of the NFL playoffs in January, March Madness, that was the first event that we were really hit, you know, by the pandemic. We missed March Madness, you know, the baseball and hockey Playoffs typically happen in the spring. October baseball for baseball fans, it, it's, it's so, such an elevated level of, of emotions from the regular season. And then December is bowl season, capped off by the, by the college football playoff at the end. Uh, it's just as uh, recognizable of an entity, just as, as strong of a brand. But we've never had a brand. You know, we've, people have called it what they wanted to call it. They've kind of called it Bowl Season already, which has led us to that name. Mm-hmm. But now we're an official organization. We have a logo. We're going to use this platform to promote the bowl system, uh, as I alluded to uh, earlier, and tell all the great stories uh, about bowl games and what it does for so many people. So we're, this is an exciting time for, I think, for, for all of sports, but specifically for college football that the, the Bowl Season brand is born.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And it's interesting that you mentioned that the association is looking to be more public facing, you know, as you said, it's existed for years, as a as a trade association, and there might be some that are even surprised that there is such a thing. But as you just spelled out, uh, there are some commonalities between all the staffs, I would imagine, whether you're a game like the Rose Bowl, that's been around for 100 years, or you're, you know, one of the new people on the block, uh, just trying to make a a go of it. But talk, Nick, about kind of what the desire is to be more more public facing and, and to get it out there. I mean, why, now?
1: Yeah, I think to answer that question, I think the, the, the better question is why not before? You know, we whenever you go down a path of, a, of a, an initiative like this, you have to build consensus. I have 42 uh, stakeholders uh, in this business that I, I report to, and they all had to be bought in on this. And to a bowl game, all 42 of them were, were so excited about this. That the common question I had back was, God, why didn't we do this before? Yeah. Um, Why? Why didn't we do this a long time ago? And I and I think the answer is we just were never in a position to do it uh, before this. You know, for years, bowls were very competitive with one another. They would teams would play out a season. The best teams at the end were bowls used to bid on them to to come to their games, and you know there weren't a lot of sharing of ideas (laughs) and resources. Uh, But over the years, that's changed. Conferences have direct partnerships with bowl games. They're sending teams, and teams are kind of slotted. Uh, in a way, before the season starts by conference anyways, and I think the bowl games have realized they have a lot more in common than they have differences. and uh, So working together is, is something that we see bowl games doing a lot more often. Uh, so having them all come together over this bowl season brand and, you know, rising tide floats all boats, uh, I think, uh, uh, carried the day and, and, and we moved uh, moved on.
0: Yeah, and I, I love I love your logo as well. It uh, seemed like there was a lot of thought uh, put into the new logo as well. You've got kind of a stadium look, and and if you look closely, there's even ten sections which represent each of the of the conferences that uh, that go into the bowl games. I, I think it came out really nicely.
1: Yeah, thank you. Our our branding agency did a great job with that. Joe Bosack and company, as well as uh, Mark Jacobson from 1919 Productions, they collaborated on it very creative guys. We looked at a, a ton of logos. It was really important to us that we had a meaning and a story behind it. And uh, as you know, building a brand takes time. I think we stole a little bit of time value with the name because I think people people will know who we are very quickly. But uh, we also think the logo is going to catch on very quickly. You're going to see it on all the all the fields during, during bowl season. We're going to uh, try to be creative with the content we push out to tell all the stories. So we're really excited about that.
0: And uh, it you talked about uh, before this notion of the Bulls kind of, uh, if not working together, at least having maybe a little more of a plan than they did traditionally. I mean, it's it's always one of the exciting things, of course, for the teams and their fans, you know, not knowing exactly where you're going to end up. But at the same time, um, it's got to be a relief, I would think, for some of the teams to have an idea, you know, if we finish this place in our conference, you know, here are some likely places that, that we might go. It's just got to make life, uh, to some extent easier, I would think for your, for the member institutions, at least the schools to have a, a rough idea of what the, what the framework could look like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think every, every football program starts the year with goals, uh, and they have le- different levels of goals. I, I think most programs, their you know, goal number one is to, to, uh, Get uh, earn their an opportunity to participate in a bowl game you know so now with this new brand it has a little more meaning they're going to strive to be a part of bowl season and then the the better uh, their season goes the different type of game they can go to a game that's been around a little bit longer a game that's a little bit more high profile so there's levels within the bowl season but you're absolutely right this really gives you know schools a clearer vision clearer path to to what their goals might be and they can work towards that
0: Right. Well, let's transition a little bit here, Nick. Obviously, we're talking about bowl season uh, in the traditional sense. And uh, as we all know, this year has been anything but traditional. And it's uh, it's really unfortunate when you look uh, even at the at the bowl landscape of uh, this particular year you had uh, several new games that were online, some of which are are continuing uh, some of which uh, won't be but you know you had new games at uh, Fenway Park I know uh, Myrtle Beach uh, had a game as well new stadiums uh, in Los Angeles and, and Las Vegas coming online and obviously uh, not all of these games are going to be able to you know to continue but let's talk uh, a bit about what, this year has been like for the bowl games, kind of where we stand. I know there have been about five or six that have said uh, they just won't be able to operate this year. But give me an idea, Nick, of of what bowl season is going to look like this year.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I don't think anything's been easy for anyone, you know. And if I've I've learned uh, one thing this year, it's uh, I know what you know. Whatever you have planned, don't don't count on it <laughs> happening exactly the way yeah, you, for sure. you thought it would um i think you know i you know personally I, i'm just excited that uh, we're seeing college football played each weekend uh, and that the regular season is kicked off and you know but the the bowl games were forced to be very very patient you know throughout this process we weren't in a position to be making any decisions we were really at the mercy of uh, of the virus as we all are but also at the mercy of the the decisions uh that the conferences make in terms of their regular season and when it's going to start when it's going to end
0: Right. There was a time there where it looked like there were going to be more bowl game slots than there were teams playing uh, earlier this fall.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, fortunate for us and for all of college football that uh, the, the, you know, the conferences that decided not to play changed course and and, uh, they're kicking off uh, their seasons a little bit later, but playing them nonetheless. So, you know, we're even so, you know, we're we're seeing across college football each week and even the NFL you know, a handful of games being being postponed because of the virus. So I think the notion that there's a, a handful of games, uh, bowl games that, that felt that it was not in their best interest to be played this year, postponing to next year, I think we would have been naive to think that that would not be the case. Yeah. Uh, but to have, you know, 37 bowl games be announced uh, uh, out of 44 possible. Uh, we're very, uh, very excited about that and really looking forward to this year's bowl season.
0: Right, and Nick, there there are differences this year, right? Normally, there's a, a minimum win requirement uh, for teams to earn the right to play in a bowl game, and and I think that some of those rules have changed just by nature of uh, needing to this year, isn't that right?
1: Yeah, it is. You know, it's 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 really not going to change the outcome, you know, per se. You know, mm-hmm. we're we're it's in a normal year, you have to be 500. If there's not enough. 500 teams nationally to fill all the bowl slots then you drop down to five and seven and there's a system for that you know this year we're just not gonna have to worry about that process you know the the conferences already have contracts in place with a set number of bowl games that's not going to change you're not you know we're clearly not seeing you know new bowl games pop up as a result of this rule this year so it's really going to be the same in the end, the same number of teams uh, that, that would have been in anyways, but what mm-hmm. we're avoiding is just one more unknown, one more headache. Typically each year, we're down to the last week or two of the season and we're prognosticating how many bowl eligible teams do we have? Are we going to have enough? Who, who, who needs one more win, two more wins? This year, we just simply won't have to do that. And that's going to be helpful to the system
0: right we're uh having this conversation in in early november and i know it's uh it's difficult to look even you know a few weeks out or week to week out but as we sit now nick are you, are you pretty confident at least with the games that have said they're moving forward that they'll be able to to have those games this year
1: well uh you know i'm as confident as i can be but uh, <laughs> i think like, like i said earlier we've all learned this year we need to be, prepare for for anything so uh we're, we're moving forward. We announced our schedule last Friday, which was a, an exciting day, and and here we are a, a week later, and, and we haven't deviated from it. So uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to keep moving in a positive direction.
0: Let's just talk for a minute and kind of about the business of bowl games. You know, obviously one of the unknowns in all of sports, not unique to bowl games is the notion of spectators and, and what will be allowed and what's reasonable and and safe at this point. But let's talk, you know, for the bowl games, while many of them, as we said, have organizations that do things throughout the year, when it comes to the game, it's a couple hours that everyone's looking forward to every year. And some of the dynamic there, of course, is having as, as full a house as you can. Is this, is this going to be a tough year, uh, for some of these bowl games if we do have to see limited or, you know, in a worst case scenario, uh, no attendance at, at some of these games?
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to be a difficult year. I think uh, I think our, the mindset of the bowl games is just to get through this year as best we can, try to provide the, the, you know a great uh, experience for the student-athletes involved, but not to mortgage the future either. And uh, so far, the conference partners have been very, very supportive of that. They've been great partners. Uh, they're going through the same things in their regular seasons. Uh, I think the attendance you will see at bowl games will be very similar to what you're seeing in the regular season. It's going to be very different state by state based on the rules of those states. Uh, but I, I think you're going to be, the, the, the games that are allowing fans, I think 25% capacity uh, seems to be uh, what we're seeing in a lot of venues. And I think that's what you'll see at bowl games as well.
0: Yeah, will the games, uh, by and large, Nick, be able to survive to next year? At least the ones, uh, you know, that are that are newer. Or-
1: they absolutely will. You know, they're committed to doing so. You know, the, the uh, listen, p- partnerships are great, and, and in an ideal world, uh, everybody be looking out for each other. But uh, you, you know, in, in the in the business world, you're always uh, trying to determine what's the motivating factor for each side, and. You know, one of the things I'm convinced that, you know, works in the favor of bowl games is the commitment on the part of the conferences to keep bowl games viable long term. These conferences need these postseason opportunities for their members Mm -hmm. uh, well into the future. So I don't think any of them is looking to are looking to harm uh, a bowl game long term uh, simply to get a few more dollars out of them this year. Uh, I think they understand uh, the situation. they want to have an experience for for one of their institutions to participate in a bowl game this year, but they also want those same opportunities when we get back to normal uh, yeah. in future years.
0: Well, I think there have been some positive signs when you look at, at sponsorship and some of the title sponsorships. There were some shifts uh, just in this past off season, and it seemed like uh, most, if not all the games were, were still able to identify uh, new partners, which I think in this you know given what 's happened this year that's that's pretty extraordinary.
1: Yeah, I was very, very pleased to see some new title sponsorships announced. And you know, sponsorships there's a lot of different categories to them. I think a title sponsor, uh, certainly with all the exposure they'll get on ESPN, is it's a, nat- a little bit of a national play, even though some of them may be more local local businesses um, in that TV. Uh, um, so that TV exposure is really important. I think, uh, you know, some sponsorships will suffer. I think you're going to see sponsorship revenue down quite a bit across all, all bowl games. And it really ties into the, the attendance piece or the lack thereof. You know, a lot of bowl sponsorships these days revolve around uh, fan engagement and hospitality at the game itself. And, and without uh, a large number of fans, and in some cases, no fans at all, that's It's obviously very, very difficult and and maybe even impossible. So, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of challenges with sponsorships this year as well
0: yeah well and and the flip side, of course, is that regardless of what the attendance will be like at these games, uh, they are all going to be televised. Many of our audience knows almost all of them are televised through ESPN and their networks. I think it's only two of them right that uh, that aren't yes. um, uh, on ESPN or its affiliated networks. so you know the the television aspect, I would think Nick uh, remains a a key component, both when we're talking about sponsorship and just overall visibility of the of these games as well.
1: It's a huge component. It always has been. It always will be. And, and uh, as you alluded to, the, the, the vast majority of games are televised on one of the ESPN networks. And, and uh, that's really an advantage to the bowl system. ESPN is very heavily invested in college football all year long, really. And they, um, you know the bowl season is a big part of that. So they do a great job of promoting uh, the bowl season as a whole, as well as each of the individual bowl games.
0: Talked about it a little bit before, alluded to it, but uh, one of the fasc- fascinating things to me about bowl season are the uh, just the travel logistics, you know, for the for the schools and the teams. Uh, you know, in some cases, it's a very short window as far as. Uh, where they're actually going to be going and uh, and playing these games this year. That window may be even shorter if we see any delays, you know, that some of the conferences have built in, you know, to add a week or, or so if they need it. But you're, I, I was looking, uh, we started with your background, Nick, but uh, I noticed that during your time with the Patriots and with Notre Dame, you were involved uh, in some, to some extent, with coordinating uh, team travel. So I was kind of curious to get your perspective on just the travel experience uh, for the teams, knowing that you've been involved in that during your career as well
1: yeah so you know one of the great things about bowl games is the opportunity it gives student athletes to experience a different part of the country a community that they they may have never been to before or may never have the the opportunity to go go to and they typically spend upwards of six days in that community um you know visiting you know local local landmarks experiencing the the food of that region uh as well as practicing and preparing for a bowl game you know, that's going to be very different this year. I mean, um, you know, in the regular season, these teams fly in the day before, uh, stay overnight, play the game and fly home. Uh, I think you're going to see bowl games be very similar to that this year. I, th- uh, I think it, it, it'll probably be two-day trips mm-hmm. you know, instead of one-day trips like the regular season, certainly not the six-day experience that bowl games typically are. So teams will fly in. They'll pretty much stay in their hotel. I'm sure the bowl games are going to do a great job of bringing in local flavor. If a team's going to the Liberty Bowl, I'm pretty sure they'll have barbecue brought into their hotel. Uh, The student athletes will be given their gifts. And of course, you know, playing the game in in the stadium will will probably be the most consistent experience, even though the the number of fans will be reduced. But uh, it's still going to be a great experience for the student athletes and and the television exposure is going to be great for, for the universities as well.
0: Yeah, well, let's hope uh, for all involved that there is barbecue in as many games uh, <laughs> as possible. Uh, did you enjoy that part of your career, Nick? When you were when you were handling travel logistics, uh, was that uh, an enjoyable experience for you?
1: Uh, I, I don't know if I would classify it as enjoyable. <laughs> I I, uh, I I love that I did it. Um, I, I think there's. You know, my career has gone from being very much an internal operations, you know, type jobs to gradually over time being when I was at the Big East was kind of 50 50. I was Mm -hmm. in charge of uh, all the operational aspects of the Big East and policies and procedures, but I was also in charge of marketing, especially around our Big East basketball tournament. of course, when I went to Under Armour, I was strictly marketing. And now with this job, I wear all the hats. So I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it, but I think the experience served me well for sure.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I, it seems like all the stops in your career have, uh, have led yourself to this uh, particular uh, place because everything you're doing with the bowl games uh, to me seems to be touching on everything the, that you've done over your career, which is, uh, which is interesting. I would think they, that all of that stuff must've prepared you for this.
1: For sure. I think this job is, uh, really the culmination of all my experiences and, uh, uh, not to say this will be my last job, but uh, I certainly uh, plan on being in this job for a while because we uh, we're just getting started and we have a lot left to accomplish.
0: Well, yeah, and certainly for you, a tough year to begin. I would think if you can get through this year, um, every other year will will seem gradually easier. Uh, hopefully, for you, be able to accomplish uh, even more. I sure hope so. <laughs> we uh you know we started with the 1993 festival I think I'll end with uh, my favorite bowl experience was which was actually the 1995 festival which uh, Colorado made it back to they beat Notre Dame uh in that game and uh I think it was the first loss Notre Dame ever had wearing their their green uniform so that was that was Rashan Salam's heisman year and and while the 93 game was memorable to me, uh, just for the experience of traveling. Uh, as you know, it's always better when your team wins. So that ninety-five game, uh, of course, <laughs> my, my of personal, course. personal favorite. But uh, you know, everyone's obviously looking forward to, uh, you know, to something that looks closer to normal this year, Nick. And I think it's a relief for a lot of people that there there will be as many bowl games that are taking place. Uh, at the end of the season you know i think everyone certainly is rooting for your organization and your members to have as successful a season as they can so uh, you know i wish you uh, the best of luck and i wish uh, certainly wish all the games uh, the best of luck and and getting through this year uh, you know in a as successful a fashion as they can with the hopes that uh, we'll see a robust season next year and, and in the years to come
1: well we certainly hope so as well and uh, really appreciate you having me on jason it was uh, it was a
0: pleasure visiting with you Likewise, thanks so much, Nick, and uh, we'll we'll be in touch. This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which also features breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports event industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at sportstravel on Twitter and Instagram, and at sportstravelmagazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this This is Jason Koertz for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.